0: Well, hello. God bless. Here we are once again, going to take a look at another chapter of the book of Proverbs. Today, we come to the 25th chapter of the book of Proverbs. So, if you are following the monthly reading plan of the book of Proverbs, you will be coming to this teaching on the 25th day of the month. So, go ahead and grab your Bible, open it up. We're going to go ahead and take a look at Proverbs chapter 25. So, jumping right on into verse 1, it says, These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. So, again, still written by um, King Solomon, And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put my phone on silent here because I forgot to do so. But it's simply pointing out to to us here in verse one that the men of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah um, of Judah, copied this down. Um, And it's amazing to me, and it's an awesome thing to me that we have such an ancient document as this. We have... um, literature like this that was written down and copied and preserved and you know, you know, put forward to us all the way up here in our present day generation where we can understand the wisdom of God. Because remember, like I've said on other studies, this wisdom that Solomon had was not Solomon's own wisdom. It was something that God had given to him. God gave to Solomon this wisdom. So in that sense, we're getting wisdom directly from God or directly from a man who was influenced by God with the wisdom that he had. Verse two says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. So. You and I, as we take this and as we apply it to our everyday lives, you know, we're not in a, a position of kingship, right? We're, maybe we're not a political leader of any sorts, right? But you know, when we read it it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, there is so much. I mean, obviously God is all knowing. He knows all things, right? He knows all, he sees all. There's nothing that we have that doesn't come from God. Okay, but yet there are things that he gives us the opportunity to search out, to seek out. It could be things regarding your physical health, um, your vocation. You know, uh, planting a garden. You know, there's so many things that we can learn. Right? That that you know is is glory to God that it even exists but we don't yet know it. I mean, look at all the inventions that have happened just since the 1900s, right? And everything, tech, technology and all of that, as how it has increased and all of that. And yet we can sit here today and I often think of stuff like this. Maybe you don't, but I think back, say, to a guy like Ben Franklin, for example, who invented so much and, um, you know, was... Quite amazing to me for his time that he invented all that he did and discovered all he did. And there's other men beside Ben Franklin, but can you imagine if you would, um, if you were able to do something like this? But able to be able to show Ben Franklin an airplane flying through the sky, you know, full of people, or show him computer technology that we have, such as this, like we're using right here. He would be amazed, astounded by that. And in the same way, I I believe that if time carries on, you know, another 100, 200 years, 300 years, if the Lord tarries that long, who knows? You know, what things are going to be like in the future, what will be discovered, what will be found out because someone searches out a matter, someone searches out to try and find a solution to something or maybe even a cure for some disease or whatever. So anyway, God is just so abundant and so full of knowledge and he, he can't give us everything, but yet he allows us to seek things out and to search things out. All right. So anyway, just something to think about. And maybe you can think about that verse in a different way than the way I just talked about it. But verse 3 says, As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Searchable. Can you imagine, you know, here's, here's King Solomon, right, writing this down. You know, he's writing this, he's directing a lot of this toward his son, training up his son in the way that he should go, trying to pass on wisdom to his son. But can you imagine all that was on his plate as the leader of God's people, Israel, you know, during that time? And, uh, you know, in other words, so when he says, as the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. In other words, it's it's a deep thing, man. He's got a lot of deep thinking to do. He's got a lot on his plate. And, you know, when we take on, we can apply this in our lives. If, if we're going to take on responsibility in our lives, uh, even to be a father, to be a parent, you know, to to go do our job, to take on a certain responsibility at our work, you know, we should take it seriously. You know, we should think about the things that we do. We should apply all that we have to the things that we do, whatever, whatever, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might, do it with all of your strength, put forth a good effort. So anyway, just kind of, as I read that here, it's like, it's just unsearchable. I mean, there's just so much stuff in the heart of a king with everything that he has to do, with everything that's on his plate. And again, we can apply that to our lives in certain ways as well. Verse four, take away the dross from silver and it'll go to the silversmith for jewelry. Take away the wicked from before the king and his throne will be established in righteousness. Okay, so do you get the correlation there? When you take that silver and you refine it, then you have something pretty. You have a nice piece of jewelry, right? Whatever the case may be. Shiny, glittery, looks nice and all that. He's saying here, take away wicked people from before the king and his throne will be established in righteousness now unfortunately as we look at governments in the world today there's always corruptness somewhere within there there's always wickedness always people trying to you know influence the president in our case of the United States of America or your leader in whatever country you may be in and was, you know, what is he doing You know, with that influence, right? Well, what he needs to do is remove the wicked people from him. If he's an honorable king, if he's a good king, if he's a godly king, especially if he's seeking God with his leadership as Solomon did in his life, okay? Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king and do not stand in the place of the great, verse six says. For it is better that he say to you, come up here, then that you should be put lower in the presence of the prince whom whom your eyes have seen, okay? So humility, we see that throughout the Bible in many different ways. God wants us to be humble, right? He exalts us, let him do it. Okay, we don't need to go in, we don't need to come into the room and act like we're the best thing in the room. We don't need to come into even a company or a business that we have and act like we're the best thing in the room. We need to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, be a person of good character, integrity, and honesty, and loyalty, and all of these things, and do so in humility. You know, because if you come in thinking, OK, I'm at the top and you don't even know what the top is, you're just going to get knocked down. Someone's going to someone above you. Someone else is going to say, ah, uh, no, go sit down. We don't need you. We don't need your attitude. We don't need that type of haughtiness here. OK, um, I'm always reminded. I, I, I don't know. This just came to mind actually now. But a football player, Larry Fitzgerald Wright, played for the Arizona Cardinals here where I live in the state of Arizona. But anyway, I was always impressed and how he would just score a touchdown and hand the ball to the referee. It wasn't about doing his dance. It wasn't about, you know, and all that, you know, drawing attention to himself, beating his chest and all that. He seemed to have humility, at least in that act of his life. And the times that you would see him celebrate, he was celebrating his teammates, you know. So act like you've been there before, you know, humble yourself. Okay, uh, verse eight, do not go hastily to court for what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? So th- this speaks of somebody that is doing something without even thinking about it. You know, maybe they're doing it in anger. Maybe they're doing it in bitterness. Maybe they're just trying to get at their neighbor. They're trying to get the upper hand, which of course is not Christ-like. It's not the way that the Lord calls us to live, Right. And in the end, you just get put to shame. It's better to, to keep quiet, to humble yourself, than to do something like that. Debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another. Okay, in other words, go one-on-one. Keep it between you and him. You don't need to go blabbing everything to everyone around. Oh, you know what he did to me? Oh, do you know what he... Trying to um, you know, gossip, first of all, or trying to slander the character of your neighbor. Work it out with one another. Sit down with one another. And you know the same thing applies in like familial relationships. Sit down and love one another. Talk it out with each other and figure out, okay, how can we work this out? You know, lest, uh, verse 10 goes on, let me write again, debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another lest he who hears expose your shame and your reputation be ruined. Verse 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. So picture like a table all set up with silver, silverware, maybe silver chargers, you know, under the plates and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe a centerpiece in a table that's made of silver, but yet there's, you know, a apple of gold right there, you know, as a decorative ornament right there. And that is just popping out. It's just standing out. This is telling us here, that's what your words are like. You need to watch what you speak. And it kind of ties into what we're reading here about you know, problems with your neighbor and taking them to court and doing this hastily and all of that kind of stuff and humbling yourself. Be wise with your words. Think about what you're saying. And, and shut up when you have nothing good to say, Right? Verse 12, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Now look at that, we're talking about an obedient ear. That is someone that wants to listen and then do what they've been told or what they've heard. So here's the thing, it comes from a wise rebuker. Though in other words, someone that's gonna come along and say, hey, you know, I've got some wisdom for you. You've been acting this way, you've been doing this, and it's not going to take you in the right direction. It gets you to a good place in life. Trust me, I'm ahead of you. Maybe it's an elder or something like that, right? And they say, I've been down that road. I've done that before. Maybe it's your father. And they're rebuking you for a way that you're behaving. If you you have an obedient ear, then what that person is saying to you is like an earring of gold and, and an ornament, right? In other words... Is something beautiful. It's something that stands out. You need to pay attention to it. Okay, verse 13, like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. So here we see a person being spoken of as faithful. Faithfulness, right? If you've been given a job, you've been given an assignment, be faithful because it's refreshing when you are. It's something good. It brings favor to you when you're the type of person that is faithful in what you do and what you say and what you're assigned to in your life. You got a job to do. You've been assigned something at your work. You own a business. You have a customer. Be faithful. Refresh. Be refreshing to the people around you, okay? Whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. So, picture that very easy to understand, right? It's that person that says that they're a giver or they do this or that or they falsify information to act like they, they have done something in the way of giving or helping others, but they're, they're lying. They're not doing it, right? So, it's like clouds and wind without rain. What does rain do? Rain brings something that produces, you know, it falls upon the earth, produces fruit. It's good. Rain is a blessing you know, in that sense. And, uh, but someone who says they, they, they're a giver and all that, but don't really give, they're lying. Well, they're not doing any good to anybody. By long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. So verse 15, I just read there. Let me read it one more time. By long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. What does that mean? Well, it means that you need, long forbearance would be being patient, okay? Being diligent, Um, you know? uh, In other words, escaping me right now, but, you know, just persisting, right? Being persistent in what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, right? But when you do it, a soft tongue breaks a bone. In other words, it's better to speak kindly, softly if you want to get ahead in life if you want to do something then you need to treat people well you need to talk to people well you don't need to talk down to people this this you know is something that management people need to listen to because i've seen so many people in positions of management within companies like even the customers that i you know work with in my business um you know you can see somebody that just likes to speak down to everyone else or act like, you know I gotta throw my authority around, I gotta let you know that I'm the boss, you need to know, in other words, there's no humility in that person at all in the way that they behave. Well, people don't wanna hear that. Eventually, you're just gonna drive maybe a good employee away from you, but you need to speak with kindness. Right? And show humility in yourself. Again, in your position. Don't don't go in there acting like you're, you're the very top. You're, eventually, you're going to be put down as a result. Verse 16. Have you funny? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. You know, there's that saying, too much of a good thing. Obviously, honey can be a good thing, right? But you don't want too much of it. Eating a piece of chocolate can be a good thing, but you eat too much of it, you're going to get sick. It's going to destroy your body. It's going to do bad things. And it's the same thing in everyday life, right? Do things in moderation, you know, a little here, a little there. Live it, Live your life in, you know, uh, just a humble moderation. Okay, verse uh, 17, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. So again, this is that humble person that would rather be invited than to just show up every day or all the time or too much. Let your neighbor invite you. Let your neighbor say, hey, I haven't seen you. I want to see you. Come on over right, otherwise they might despise the fact that you keep coming over all the time. They got other things to do, or maybe it was just the wrong timing, right? Let yourself be invited, and that again, that speaks of that gentle person, that quiet person, that humble person, that person that's not pushy, okay? A man, verse 18, a man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow, this again, lying, lying to your, to your, against your neighbor, against anyone else, what does it do? It destroys, just breaks things apart. It does nothing good. It pierces, it, it destroys. You got the club, the sword and the, and the arrow. These things hurt. This is not what God wants us to be like. Confidence, verse 19 says, in an unfaithful man, in a time of trouble, it's like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. So again, this goes back to that faithful messenger. Be faithful. Be good to people around you. Do what benefits others around you. Then you will be like Christ. And then you will be obedient to the word of God. Verse 20 says, like one who takes away a garment in cold weather and like vinegar or soda is one who sings songs Vinegar, uh, let me read that again, vinegar on soda. So like one who takes away a garment in cold weather and like vinegar on soda is the one who sings songs to a heavy heart. You know, there's this thing called grieving and grieving is a blessing from God. It's a way to release. It's an outlet. Like when you've gone through something, especially someone that loses a loved one, for example, you don't just show up. You don't go to that person and say, cheer up. You know, you need to get over it type attitude. Maybe you don't even say that, but you you give that, you know, that that type of attitude to the person that you're coming across in that way that they just need to get over it. Maybe they they haven't lost another, you know, human being. Maybe they lost their pet. I'll just get over it. There's plenty other dogs there. There's plenty other this, you know, whatever. That, that That's not a person that is kind and gentle. These are the fruits of the spirit, right? Loving and all of that, you know? So it's not always the time to come in all peppy and loud, right? If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Jesus talked about the same thing, didn't he? We need, to, this is just that person that is just constantly kind, constantly good, constantly humble toward others, you know? And this is something that we read in the Bible. Now, there are times that we, look, you know, we all sin, we all fall short. There are times we're in a bad mood and we say the wrong thing. Well, what do we do? We just go repent. We go to the person and say, I'm so sorry. Listen, I was in a bad mood when I said that, or you caught me at a bad time because I had this going on or that going on. Something was going on in my life. I'm sorry, I want to apologize to you. You can bring the gentleness to them then. You can bring the repentant type attitude and the kindness to them then. But look at what verse 21 says, right? For so you will heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. Okay, so when you're kind to them, right, it it impacts them in a powerful way. It's like, wait, this is like, this is, I mean, you may or may not have the uh, ability to cause them to repent of being your enemy, right? But whether they do or not, you're being kind to them and they're like trying to figure this out. And it's like, man, this is killing me. Kill them with kindness. But do it silly, and then when you do, and when you are sincere in this, the Lord will reward you. Verse twenty-three says, "The north wind brings forth rain, and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance." So, a backbiting tongue—what's that going to do? It's just going to make someone angry. See, a lot of these things that in this wisdom here—it's very common sense. You know, if you go to somebody and you call them a jerk, you call them an idiot, do you think you're accomplishing something good? Do you think they're saying, oh, thank you so much. That makes me feel wonderful. I love you, whatever. So, why would you be that type of person? And especially if you're listening to something like this, I would assume that you're giving yourself to godliness that you want to be that you are a follower of the Lord and you care about what's good well then you're not going to be that type of person that is backbiting and saying harsh things about others it is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman so as Solomon wrote this stuff again, remembering it, he's directing it to his son. Here, all these years later, we find that we can apply a lot of this wisdom to our lives. But as we read this, we can, we can put that, you know, it is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious man too, right? Because anybody that's contentious, you don't want to be around. You don't want to be around that person So he, but again, keep in mind that Solomon's writing to his son here and Solomon knew that his son was going to have a wife. Okay. He's going to have a woman as a wife and that that wife was, you know, that he needed to be wise in how he chose his wife. Is this a person that's contentious, a person that's going to bicker with you all the time, a person that's going to throw things around, be it male or female, your husband or your wife, that is, right? Again, whether it's a man or a woman here, you don't want to be around contentious people. Nobody does. You you want to avoid them, and they'll find out that people are avoiding them. As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. It's always good to hear good news, isn't it? No matter where it comes from. It's good to know that a relative afar off is doing well or they got better. They were once sick, but now they're doing better. Verse 26, a righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. You know, I can't help but think of certain political leaders that, you know, maybe had things right in the first place. And then when they got into office, they were persuaded to go a different direction or they change things and thereby change the laws of a country. And I won't get too specific on that, but there is wickedness and there is evil. And when a person who is doing something right, doing something good, but then they falter, someone persuades them in the wrong way. It's like a murky spring in a polluted well. In other words, you go there, ah, let me get some fresh water, something good to drink here. But then you find out it's all murky and dirty. Like when, be it a political leader who gets into power and then they don't do what you thought they were going to do. They don't live the way you thought they were going to live in terms of how they make laws and that benefit the country and stuff like that. Or let's just say you're, you're working with somebody and you go into business with somebody and they seem to have the right attitude or you even maybe you're a person that goes into the ministry and I've seen this happen. You go into the ministry one and you think, oh yeah, they've got the right motives. You know, I can line up with this. They care about this. They care about that. They care about what is good. But then all of a sudden they change. They become greedy. They become about the buildings. They become about the money. They become about all that kind of stuff and then they want to cut others down and put other people down, right? Nothing good. Don't be that type of person. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, seek to do what's right. Seek to do what's good in your life. It is not good to eat too much honey, so to seek one's own own glory is not glory. So again, going back to... um, Not eating too much honey, you find honey. Don't eat too much, you'll get sick. He's reiterating that, but he's also saying here, don't seek your own glory, be humble. We see a lot of humility in this chapter. Verse 28, the final verse, whoever has no rule over his own spirit. It's like a broken down walls. You ever think about who you are spiritually, how you are living as a man, as a woman? Do you care about righteousness? Do you care about the things of God? Do you read the Bible yourself and find out what is written in there? Do you have an obedient ear? Do you, do you want to do what's good? Do you care about who you are spiritually, right? And if you have no rule over your spirit, in other words, anything goes, well, you're like a city broken down without walls. Don't expect any protection don't expect you know, the storm that's coming through to, you know, to be blocked out or, or not affect you. Don't expect anything good in life if you're not ru- ruling your own spirit. You see, God cares about who you are internally, as you've heard me talk about many times. So that's Proverbs chapter 25. And we will go ahead and stop it here for today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Be sure to share this, to like this, you know, to all that good kind of stuff if you feel so inclined. But if you need any help and you want to email me, my name is Dave Nelson, of course, as you see here on the screen, but also Dave at AloveOutreach.com is my email address. You can go to our webpage, AloveOutreach.com, and fill out the contact form there. Um, and we can, we'll contact you via that as well. If we can help you spiritually to grow in the Lord. So God bless. And like I said, we'll see you next time.